here that remain, we're going to turn to the gospel according to John chapter 14. The gospel according to John chapter 14. And I know what you might be thinking, and that is, hang on pastor, we, uh, we've already covered John 14 just like a couple Sundays ago. Did you miss Pastor Bruce's message? And I did not. Uh, well, I kind of did, but no, I knew we were going there. But the lectionary readings have us returning to John 14. Because, again, on this night, this is an important night. This is that Thursday night of Holy Week. He's already washed their feet. They've gathered around a table just as we have done. You ever think it's coincidence that a table is at the center of our worship here? This is on purpose. Not just the reading of the word, not just the preaching of the word, or the singing of the word, but the word himself who is present with us in these elements, in this meal, because he said he would be. That's why. He said he would be. And so on this night in John 14, remember, this is an important night. They're about to leave the upper room where they've been gathered. In fact, at the end of 14, he says, arise, let us be going. He's getting out of there and they go to a garden to finish the um, discourse from 15 to 16 to chapter 17, which we've visited those chapters, haven't we, over the past couple of weeks of Easter. But now we've transitioned from Easter to Pentecost. And Pentecost is a very important holy day for the Christian church. It's one often overlooked, though. You know, we don't, we celebrate Easter pretty heavily, you know, in the church. Uh, We celebrate Christmas, right? The incarnation and then the death and resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate this. We often skip over Pentecost and we really shouldn't. Pentecost is 50 days. It's a, you you remember what Pentecost is, right? In the Old Testament, it's a, it's a, it's a feast day that's 50 days after Passover. Okay. So, It actually has its roots in the Old Testament, but it also, they celebrated on this day first fruits. So this was the first fruits, and so what they would do is bring their first fruits of harvest. Um, And and we kind of still do this, don't we? I mean, this is really what tithing is about, is before we go spending the money that we receive, which if you just sang the doxology, you know that every good thing that you receive, and I would count money as a good thing in life. It comes from God, doesn't it? And before we go spending it, we cut right off the top, just like Abraham did, and we give a tithe off the top, first fruits. Before we ever even start spending it, we give God a tenth of the portion. This is the first fruits. This has deep biblical Old Testament roots. And so, but it's more than that. (laughs) Pentecost for Jews also was a time where they remembered the giving of the law. You remember Sinai, right? So, so they, they are delivered from Egypt with mighty signs and wonders. They pass through the waters of the Red Sea into new life. Sound familiar? You're delivered, you're baptized, right? And then what happens? They're given instructions about how to walk with God in the Ten Commandments and the other commandments that are given at Sinai. So this was a time where actually Jews, uh, uh, around the time of Jesus, would have stayed up all night long to remember the giving of the law. 
Well, guess what? Pentecost is a new giving of the law, isn't it? The first law of God, the first instructions of God to his people were given on tablets of stone. Not the second time. The second time, the prophets foresaw this, didn't they? It's written where? On the heart. You remember? No longer of stone, but on the heart by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is great news for us. Also, Pentecost, maybe thirdly, we could say is a great reversal. For on this day, they are speaking in tongues of other nations. And yet everyone, we just read it, everyone was hearing the word, able to hear the word in their own language. God is not erasing diversity. He's unifying within the diversity by the Holy Spirit. You see, way back at the Tower of Babel, remember, the languages are confused and humanity is dispersed. Here, and by the way, because they rejected God's Spirit. That's why. Here, there's a receiving of the Spirit and then there is a coming together of all nations and peoples represented in all of those Phrygia and Pamphylia and Cappadocia and etc. So this is the great reversal where there was confusion. The Spirit brings clarity and truth and unity. Now that's a vision to hold on to, isn't it? That's something that we're celebrating today. So that, just a little primer, priming the pump here. That's what we're celebrating with Pentecost. Now, Let's dive into the text here and see what Jesus would say to us today by that same spirit that unified those believers on that first Pentecost. Stand with me as we read John chapter 14, and we'll start with verse 8 and go to 17, then jump down 25, 26, and 27. This is the word of God. Philip said to Jesus, Lord... Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father... Who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, which is Jesus' way of getting our attention. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these. Because... I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him 
nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Drop down to 25. I have said these things to you while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Christ our Lord, amen. You can be seated. Pentecost is a big deal. And it's because this was God's plan from the very beginning. To give us his Holy Spirit, his holy breath. If we go all the way back to Genesis, when he created man, he formed him out of the dust of the ground and then did what? Breathed in him the breath of life. That is the Holy Spirit. And he became a living being. And of course, sin happened. And because of sin, we were locked out from receiving God's Holy Spirit, which is why all throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit is not given to all people like He is now. In fact, even those who received the Spirit, the Spirit came upon them. There wasn't this language of indwelling like what we have here in the text. I and you and you and me. But because of Pentecost, now there is something that is unlocked because of what Jesus does in his life, death, and resurrection and ascension back to the Father that he now sends the Holy Spirit to us and to all people. So that no longer does everyone have to say, hey, know God. We can know him here from the inside out by the power of God's very Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so, Pentecost is a big deal, which is why we celebrate it. And this passage, I think, intersects to this beautiful celebration of Pentecost, of the coming of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is as clear as he's going to ever be that we are given another advocate. Now, we know that Jesus is our advocate. We know what he, I mean... It's ever before us what he's done for us. He laid down his life for us. But it wasn't just to say, I laid down my life for you. It was so that he could make a way for God's spirit to indwell us. And so, Jesus brings a lot of clarity tonight. He's very, or on this night. He's very clear about what... It is that the Spirit comes to do and what He has come to do, which is both the exact result of 
the Father's will. And so it's interesting that 14 begins with a vision of home. And, you know, anytime you travel, if you're like me, when I travel, it's always good to come back home, right? Sleeping on different beds and mattresses and even sleeping on the floor because my air mattress died uh, in a tent. Sleeping in the cold because I didn't have my proper blanket or sleeping bag. You know, I was glad to get back home and snuggle up in my bed. Does your bed, like my bed maybe, feel just like home? It's your pillow. It might not be the greatest pillow. Mine's got some stains on it and what have you. You'd probably be like, ooh, that's a nasty pillow, man. But it's my pillow. And I actually like it a lot. It feels like home when I sleep on it. We long for home, don't we? When we're wandering, when we're vacationing, when we're on a business trip, we long for home. And we should. And there's something in us that, that, that feels right when we're home. And this passage, John shows us here in 14, Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, this is before he said it for the second time that we just read. This is verse 1. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Then notice, notice, in my Father's house are many rooms. Or King James mansions, right? Which is just spacious rooms. He has a home that he has prepared for us. Where, yeah... It's correct. It is right to not feel at home here. You feel this? These vibes? War? Confusion? Immorality? Injustice? These things ought to vibrate us enough to say, you know what? Something doesn't feel right. Something's not right. And, you know, that's one thing all the world's religions have in common is all of them say the world as is, it ain't right. We can pretty much all agree, no matter who you're talking to, the world isn't right. Something has gone wrong. And that's the first step. But the second step must be the solution, right? Jesus is going to show us the solution. But he says here, listen, We've got a home prepared for you. It's going to feel right when you get there. And even though sometimes in this world, as we're traveling through, it gets cold. It gets hard to sleep. It gets troubled. Jesus twice here says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Isn't that a me- is that not a message for today? Amen. Let not your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Now, there are news organizations, there are institutions, there are businesses that thrive off of fear. Thrive off of it. They make money off of it. Trust me, they do. Because when we get scared, we do what we're told. When we get scared, we go out and buy stuff. We, when we get scared, we do all kind of stuff. Which is why, Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. It is not time to freak out. Not if you are in Christ, dear friend. It is not time to freak out. I don't care how bad on social media or the news or whatever's happening, even here locally, how corrupt things get. Listen, we are walking with the king of the universe, not a mayor, not a governor, not a prime minister or a president. 
the king of the universe. And we can trust him. We can trust him. (laughs) When he's around, we ought to feel right. We ought to feel safe, even in the midst of our enemies. Which is that beautiful image, isn't it, from uh, Psalm 23? He prepares a table where? Not in a luxurious ballroom. Not way up in the penthouse. But instead, in the presence of our enemies. We set this table up in the midst of all the turmoil. On the front lines of the war, we set up a table and welcome people here. We eat and we drink and we celebrate in the midst of a dying world. You know, talking about having many rooms and um, a big house, a mansion, you know, it reminds me of Audio Adrenaline. Do, do you remember this song? In My Father's House, right? It's a big, big house, remember? With lots and lots of, anybody with me? Look, that dates me, okay? I get it, I get it. Some of you young people are like, I ain't got a clue what this dude's talking about, right? But he says, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. Now, just be a kid for a second. Aren't we supposed to have childlike faith? Isn't it cool to go into a big house? Now, look, I thought our house was big when we were growing up. And then when I went back after college, I was like, man, this actually isn't a big house. But I thought it was big because to kids, even small spaces are kind of big. And imagine being in a mansion. It's like, man, you know, I think of... Uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, you know, where they're in this big house, this professor's big house, and they just explore, right? He's got a big house. Don't think of heaven. Don't think of our home that he's preparing for us as some stodgy, suffocating, only we have to all play harps or violins and be quiet and kind of, you know, do... Listen, if he made a world like this where we can play, where we can go explore, what do you think the next one he's doing is that's renewed without sin and corruption? Oh my goodness, friend, it's a big house. It's a big yard. Big table with what? Lots and lots of food. Can I get an amen there? I mean, if you don't like the other stuff, at least you would like that, right? He knows how we are, doesn't he? Because he made us. That's why he's given us a meal to remember him by. He could have given us a 5K to remember remember him by, right? It's like, everybody, if you want to remember me, you got to run 5K then. That's why you got to do it. I mean, it's just, that's, that's the way you remember me. He doesn't do that. No, 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 no. A meal, a table, a home setting, a local family, just like the local family of Harvest Point. That's how he does it. Because he knows us. And even now, even now, this is just pulling back the curtain a little bit on Sunday morning. To say, you know what, even though we're all going our different ways here in just, you know, less than an hour. Okay, we're going to all go back our different ways and doing our thing. But here, just for a moment, just for a little moment, we get to be family. In a big house. With lots and lots of food. Big yard where we can all play football, right? (laughs) That's what the song says. Um, He's got a room prepared for us. And it's not small. It's not small. He knows you. He knows me. And he wants to give us the desires of our heart. Listen, friend, listen. In this life, your desires won't be fulfilled. 
Do not be surprised when your desires in this life are not fulfilled. In fact, C.S. Lewis says, it's a good thing when we have desires and they're unfulfillable in this life because it only proves that we were made for another life. So when people say, oh no, I, I have a right to be pleased in this way or to have this desire fulfilled in my life, you don't have a right to that, friend. You don't. Your body wants all sorts of things. But this guides what we do with our body. This does. Not me. Don't follow your heart. Oh, Lord, help us. Don't follow your heart. Heart is deceitful above all things. Instead, (laughs) instead follow the Spirit. And you will not, notice, fulfill the what? Lust of the flesh. Not with the Spirit. Well, it starts out with this beautiful vision of home. And then Jesus says this. He goes, he goes you know what? Listen, I wouldn't have told you this if I wasn't coming back for you. I'm leaving to go prepare this place for you. And that means I'm coming back. Which he's basically saying, look, I came the first time, first advent. And there's going to be a second advent where I come to gather all of my children. And we will be with him for." Ever, dear brothers and sisters. Now look, I, you know, I don't know what you've dealt with this past week, month, year, or 17 years of your life. But I can tell you this. There's nothing like the peace that Jesus offers. It is not the peace of knowing your bank account is full. It is not the peace of knowing you have insurance. It is not the peace of having a big house or a small house, you know, because tiny houses are in. Uh, it's not the peace of anything of this world. It is his peace. Now, now just think about this. Isn't he God? So can you imagine his kind of peace? <laughs> like what, what can come against God, right? Can anything? Let's just, let's just do a little theological thing real quick. Can anything come against God? No. no. Can anything ever? No, because everything is created. Even the enemy. Even the demonic. They're created, which means they could never be the creator, which means they could never be God, which means they could never be equal to God. So does God worry about anything, you think? No, of course not. Then that means if he gives us his peace, anybody follow me? Man, what do we have to worry about, dear friend? And we bother ourselves. We waste our time sometimes trying to figure out things. And look, I, I love to figure out things, right? But some things... We just need to carry to him in prayer and say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Pastor Bruce and I, we pray every single week right here. We light the candle and we pray for you. (laughs) And we pray for this city. We pray for our dying world. Because we are to be salt and light in this world, aren't we? Which means we expose the darkness and we preserve the city. That's what salt does. It preserves and let me just tell you, places where Christianity isn't thriving, they're dying at a rapid rate. Because there's no preservative. We are to be that preservative. Entering into the decay, being rubbed into the decay of our world. That's where Jesus is calling us. Which is why we have the ministries that we do. Well, again, a vision of home. That if we think this place is cool at all, oh, brother, just wait. Just wait. All right, well, now, and, and 
Enough of the vision. I could stay there for a long time. Okay? Enough of the vision here. Now comes the question. How do we get there? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, we're cool, Pastor, but how do we get there? Well, let me just say, Jesus is extremely clear on this point. Now, there's some things that, <laughs> that Jesus says that I'm just like, excuse me? Say that again. Say that 20 more times. 20 years of study will still not probably get us to a complete understanding of what he's saying. But not this thing. Not the way. The way is clear, isn't it? The way is crystal clear. You see, because Jesus says this, you want to know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, when he says this, he leaves no room for gray areas. He means what he says. And every other religious teacher ever to walk the face of the earth, and there's a lot of them, trust me, I teach on them. Every single one of them, they taught a way that they found. I found this way, and they teach it. Jesus is not teaching a way. No, he is the way. It's his person, his very life that we must be in and that we must obey. No, he is the way. He's not just teaching truth. There's been great teachers of truth over the years. No, no, he's not just a great teacher. He is the truth, the truth of everything. He is not just a path of life. He is life eternal. <laughs> but how do we know him? How can we know him? Is he knowable? That's the agnostic question, right? Is he knowable? Yes, he's knowable. <laughs> yes, because of this. The Spirit has made him known in these words, in this book. He didn't give us a TV show. He could have. He didn't give us a YouTube video. He didn't give us a podcast. Instead, he gave us a book. He gave us a story that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. All 66 books down to every single word of them. This is how we know his way. It's by the grace of God and the word of God that we know. In short, it's by his spirit. It's by his spirit who works behind the scenes unknown to us, which is why, you know, old time, KJV again, Holy Ghost, right? He's a good ghost. In other words, he's unseen in our life and yet brings us to know the way who is Jesus Christ. No, 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 follow this. Okay, we know the way who is Jesus, but how do we walk with him? Well, we walk with him in obedience, don't we? What does Jesus himself say? If you love me, what? Feel good about me? <laughs> See, y'all jumped the gun. I was pausing for a dramatic effect. But you're all too biblical, which is great. Did he say, if you love me, then feel good about me? Just feel squishy inside. No. Get the chill bumps thing going on. No, 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 no. 
If you love me, as you just recited, then keep my commandments. Do what I say. And where has he said? Right here. By the Spirit, he brought the apostles to write these documents accurately and truthfully to be the word of God for us. This is a fundamental belief, dear brothers and sisters, is we base our life on this word, which is why we should put this word in our hearts, right? We should have a consistent diet of his word in our life. It is life and it is food and spiritual drink for us. You know, we never come to God by obeying him. They tried this at the Tower of Babel, right? They try to build a tower big enough to get to God. You remember this? What? And of course, we know the language gets confused. They never finish it, right? But in the story, before that happens, guess what God does? He comes down to see this little thing. Now, that, it was a big thing to them. They had built it all the way up. And by the way, even, even religions today go to high places to worship because they think they're closer to the gods, right? No, no, not the true and living God. The true and living God always comes to us. He's always first, which is why it's never a works righteousness because it's his grace first. He's always first on the scene. He comes down to see what they're doing. And he comes down according to the scriptures. We just spoke it out of our mouth, didn't we? According to the, he came down to save us. And then he went back up to God, but he didn't leave us comfortless, did he? No, he again sends down the Holy Spirit to us. And so if you can imagine it again, and this is just for my childlike mind, here's the Son of God, he comes down to rescue us, right? I mean, all the way down, all the way down to the dead. And then he goes all the way back up for our salvation, right? Then he sends the Spirit all the way down. And guess where the Spirit's bringing us? All the way home. Does that not form a W? Win. Right? That's for the win. The two hands of God, as St. Ambrose said so many years ago, the two hands of God, his son and his spirit for our salvation. Oh, beautiful picture of what it means to win in this life. If you're not winning at that, Dear friend, you're not winning. You don't know true peace. You haven't entered into true love and hope and peace. But you can. You can. By faith today, if you will trust in this Jesus. And let me just tell you, he's here today by the power of his spirit. Just as he was on that first Pentecost. Yes, we are called to obey the word of God. And this unlocks for us a life in the spirit. He empowers us to follow him. It's not just about the forgiveness of sins. As great as that is, that is the door. That is the beginning of a life lived and empowered by God's very spirit. And so... Jesus then goes even further with this. He says, you know, God has been by his spirit with you. And you know, 
Jesus, you know, by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, right? Even his incarnation was by the Spirit to be what? With us. He wants to be with us. That's the whole shebang is he created us to be with him. To love him, to fellowship with him, to be a part of this divine family and community. To be a part of home. That's why our hearts long for home. And he's been with us in the Old Testament. But now, because of Pentecost, he is in us. You can look at it this way. The Father reveals himself in the Old Testament. And he's outside of us. He's transcendent. I mean, you know the orientation of the Old Testament. Don't do this and don't, do, don't step there. And don't eat this. And don't dress like that. And don't. It's all these don't because he's showing, I am not you. My ways are higher than your ways. So here's the Father revealing himself in the Old Testament that he is outside of us. He is not a tree. He is not a dog. Then, in the New Testament, we have Jesus with us. Right? Emmanuel. Isn't this correct? God with us. Right? But now, because of Jesus' work, because of the Father's plan... He now, God can be in us. And he will come and make his dwelling with us and in us. That's been his plan from the beginning though, isn't it? <laughs> you say like, why, why does Jesus' work have to unlock that? Why didn't he just do it? Because we sinned, we failed. And we followed in the way of Adam. But we don't have to live like that. We can once again breathe in his breath, his spirit, and be made alive. Because one, friends, listen, you must be what? Born again. Born of the spirit, of water and the spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus at night in John 3. So, come home. Come home. He makes his dwelling with us and he makes his home. Guess what? This is, this is in us. He makes his home in us. They say home is where the heart is, right? Is he at home in your heart? Or is your heart tangled up in the things of this world? Is your heart leading you astray? Is your heart as confused as the world is? Oh, please don't be. He's made the way very clear. It is only in and through the person of Jesus that we have access to God, the Father, who then sends his spirit to dwell in us, to be with us, guess what, forever. Thanks be to God. Which means as we're journeying along through this life and dealing with, trust me, whatever might come your way, like a broken water pipe for me last night. Trying to study for my sermon, and guess what gets thrown in? No water for us, right? There's all kind of things that are going to come this week. That's just a little petty thing. I don't know what's waiting you this week, but I know this. You can be at home on the mountain or in the valley or anywhere in between, dear brothers and sisters. In 15 years of following Jesus in this area, I can tell you 
your heart can be at home. And yet, we can still long for home, for that final home, that home that he has prepared for us when all evil will be done away with. Thank you. And thanks be to God that his plan is to do away with it all, not to leave one drop, which is why it's important for us to repent of our sin because we don't want to get swept away in the justice of God at the end of time. But instead, we need his blood and we need his spirit to forgive us and then empower us to live righteous lives in a crooked and perverse generation. And he can do it. (laughs) He can do it today. It doesn't have to be three years from now. He can do it today if you would repent, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you would just simply come home. There's a divine family waiting for you. There's a church community waiting for you to come home. You who are weary. You who need rest. You who are just tired, angry. Come home. Come home, O sinner. Come home. Come out of the darkness into the light. Stop wandering. Don't act like it's more difficult than what it is. It is coming to Jesus right here in this place today. Yeah, in a place like this, in a town like this, <laughs> at a time like this, he is here, dear friend, and he is ready to save. So let him do it. Let him bring you home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.